0: History of Personal Computing. History of History of, history of, of Personal Computing. The History of Personal Computing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the History of Personal Computing eBay Edition podcast. I'm David, and please join me in welcoming my partner, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, what's up with you today? Oh, uh, I'm still uh, got
1: water on the brain like I did the last episode. Now, is it still it, wet there? What were you I saying? swear I live in Seattle now. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's still it's raining. It's, we got low-pressure systems. Uh, on the ground causing rain and up, up high causing rain if they're not on the ground. Uh, mm. So we're like in the middle of a circular motion of rain. We might see sun sometime. I think we saw it once last week, but I was inside working.
0: Here, it's been a very nice weekend, you know, finishing up with today with the sun out. So, yeah, it's been really nice. I don't know when it rained last uh, couple next days, weekend. few days ago.
1: Huh? Yeah, next weekend they're talking about sunny, but yeah, we're not going to graduate into just simple sunny. No, we're going to go from like an average of sixty to an average of eighty-four degrees and humid
0: for the uh, Memorial Day weekend. And I get to put up a fence. But oh, you know, I take it back. It rained yesterday, but it, it rained like first thing in the well, no, in the morning, and then and then it cleared up, and it was a super nice rest of the day, and then into the early evening before the sun went down. So that's why I forgot because it was such a nice day afterward. But yeah, it did. So it did rain. It was all really dark. But anyway. Well, so uh, this is the show where we take an informal look at personal computing history through the lens of eBay auctions. And it's sort of like the Antiques Roadshow program, but all about antique personal computers. And so thanks again for joining us today. On today's show, we're going to talk about two. Oh, I'm jumping ahead, though. How about a little bit of uh, some news? You've got some.
1: I actually got two pieces. One will be real short. first one. The short one is I was out antiquing today and I, you know, antique stores, you always buy these old, you can get these old household goods or, you know, things, just antique pieces, furniture, that kind of stuff. Well, I was at an antique uh, store that, believe it or not, had a uh, Timex Sinclair 1000. <laughs> I, I don't think of, I, I tweeted old radios. Because you tweeted a picture, right? I, I tweeted a picture of it today. Um, and I just couldn't believe I saw that there. Uh, I'm, I'll see like old cameras, old radios, that kind of stuff, but not a t- not a you know a vintage personal computer. So I thought that was neat. I didn't buy it. I have a few myself, and the price was okay. It was twenty bucks, you know. But, but the way it was packaged, it had Oh, you didn't it buy it. I didn't have no, I didn't buy it. Like I said, I have a few of those already. But it was just the computer, the power supply, mm-hmm. um, the RF modulator the foam that was inside the box, but didn't have the outer box shell. Okay. And then somebody also, they just kind of wrapped it in saran wrap. Um, but they also put a set of TV rabbit ears in there. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I That's guess funny. it came off the TV. Maybe they bought it in at a state sale and just thought, okay. we Took need everything but it's it's, off the TV. It, it must be a wireless Timex Sinclair 1000. It transmits its signal to the receiver so you can watch. that been something, one a it? I think it had a manual, right? i I believe it did, yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look at the picture. It's one of those things like I saw it, oh, I got to take a picture of this, I took a picture, put it down and yeah, uh, these antique stores around here they're in old houses, usually, and there are multiple levels, and uh-huh. it's like you can't map the place in your head, you have to just like walk through so many different ways until you think you've hit everything, so there was a lot of moving around today, uh but I just thought it was interesting finding that there that it's yeah. different you know antique store as compared to say a thrift shop, right.
0: But finding one in an antique store, I guess, kind of proves that these are antiques now. Yeah, hopefully we'll see more and more of that because I know at least myself looking at thrift stores, I almost see nothing anymore. Yeah, you'd have to find them at flea markets if somebody's
1: not just trying to hoard them and you know, sell them at their own store, which you know goes in business for uh, a year and then disappears off the face of the earth. There's a lot of that that's happening too. Yep. But anyway, um, uh, the the real piece of news I wanted to bring up is uh, we've had people from time to time ask us if we're going to go back to the original format for this uh, this podcast, and uh, in a sense, uh, we are going to. Uh, we're mm-hmm. still going to have the eBay episode, and uh, David, you like the eBay format uh, a lot better, and uh, it, it's it's a fun format to work with. I, I like seeing what's out there and what the average and and what the going prices are for collectors and stuff. But uh, still, there's a little bit of a historical perspective that needs to be added to some of these. So um, I got with, well, and, and you you know this too, uh, I, I got with uh, Todd George, the one half of the Chicken Lips Radio podcast, and he is um, interested in co-hosting, uh, I guess we're going to call it what the more historical version of the podcast, and we're going to have like two tracks the in-depth podcast. How about that? The yeah. in-depth. In-depth, yes. Yeah. So we'll have the eBay edition uh and then we'll have an in-depth edition where we'll have um we'll have the same uh systems, but we're going to go in depth more than just, you know, the the simple write
0: up, or not the simple write up, but the uh the quick write up uh that we do on the eBay shows. Yeah, and plus you'll be revisiting some of the shows you've already done because we're well ahead of it now on eBay, the eBay version, but you'll be able to have new auctions to look at. Yeah, if we decide to keep so, the auctions. Oh, okay. We may not have or, any auctions. All right. Well, or we may. Yeah, I guess ahead. that would make sense since we're doing the Great. auction show. We might try to find other sources and leave eBay.
1: Show yeah. As the eBay show, but yeah, eBay. The eBay show is always going to lead. It's always going to be well ahead because of how the pace of it. We don't know how often we're going to make the uh, the the other shows but um the okay. entire shows uh, it might be once a month it might be once every two weeks um there's no knowing yet but there is going to be one recorded at least within the next month uh with the uh, uh, with an additional co-host
0: cool and so welcome to the fold todd george and anyone uh listening go check out chicken lips radio too if you're a commodore fan i am and i listen and speaking of that, so I guess there's some news that I'll add is um, I've been keeping up on my little article. I updated it again. So it's on my, my blog, classiccomputing.com, where I've updated the list of computer history related podcasts. So it's a pretty decent uh, list. So go check that out. It's, it's the top article. I actually changed the date on it to make it like a new posting since I did some work on it. But, but yeah, so check that out. So that, that podcast is listed as well as a bunch of other ones. Mm-hmm. And of course it lists some that aren't being updated anymore, but they can still be fun to listen to too. So a couple other quick news items is, uh, I've been enjoying an audio book about computer history and it came out and, uh, well, let me go there real quick. Cause I put a link in the show notes, <laughs> February, 2014, but it's available by paperback, Kindle, or an Audible. And so I have got the Audible version, so I just got done listening to it. But it's called When Computing Got Personal, A History of the Desktop Computer by Matt Nicholson. It's really very good. I've enjoyed it. I'm done with it now, and I, I, uh, I'm trying to think how many hours it was. I want to say it's eight, eight or ten hours. I really enjoy it. It's 302 pages. Uh, I can't see where it says how long it is. But Matt Nicholson's been a computer journalist since 1983. I actually uh, exchanged an email with him, and so he said it took him four years to research this book. So a lot of good research, and I could tell—I could really tell—and listening to the stories because not much of the stories are, are ones I haven't heard before in different books and all. But just really, uh, just really good and well worth reading or listening to. And in fact, I'm going to get the, the printed edition as a great reference. To use um, so it
1: wasn't written up like quickly on some false perception. The no, research really
0: went in and say, Oh, this is really how people did things or how people perceived it. Yeah, he didn't just reprint Wikipedia articles or <laughs> things like that. <laughs> but it's called When Computing Got Personal, a History of the Desktop Computer, and it starts uh, just like um, if I remember correctly, it you know, just covers a little bit just in front of the Altair. You know, a little bit of um, the the buildup for the personal computer. And then it goes through, uh, wow, I just finished listening to it. What does it end with? <laughs> I don't remember now. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> at the. Uh, the I, I uh, know it went speed. well until like Steve Jobs coming back to Apple and some of that stuff. And I want to say it ended sometime after that, as far as any new things. I think with Linux some um, and things like that. But oh, sorry, okay. go That's ahead. A bit of a ways through the 80s then, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but just a really great book. Like I say, it was well worth buying and uh, and checking out. And I, in fact, I can't think of another general personal computing history book that has come out in quite a while, other than this one. So, this is a really, really timely and, and good book. So, I highly recommend it. I'm seeing that it's free for Kindle Unlimited. Now yeah. I have I
1: have Amazon Prime. I guess that doesn't necessarily mean I have Kindle Unlimited. No, it's I think it's different for Kindle
0: Unlimited. Okay, it's so a different space. Uh, there it is, ten bucks a month. So okay. check that out. And the last little bit of news I'm gonna mention, and and you and I, Jeff, have not even discussed this yet, but uh before show I forgot to. <laughs> but we may have another interview soon. And and all I'll say is another very interesting reproduction, uh, uh, microcomputer reproduction uh, that has been made, and it looks pretty neat. And uh, so I've emailed the person, and hopefully maybe we can interview him and talk more about it. I love talking to new people, even if I can't see them. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we've we've done uh, a a couple of those now, so why not keep doing it? And I just think I find the whole reproduction thing pretty fascinating, so – So, there you go. So, on today's show, we're going to continue covering the second phase of portables, which are the earliest laptops. And so, today we are focusing on the Epson HX20 and then also the Grid Compass. So, go ahead and tell us about the HX20. Oh, okay. The the Epson HX20,
1: also known as the HC20, is generally regarded as the first laptop computer. Announced in November 1981, although first widely sold in 1983. That's a long time to wait. Um, hailed by Business Week magazine as the fourth re- revolution in personal computing. Yeah, that's it interesting, is, right? When I it, saw it that, is. I was like, like, "What does
0: that mean?" Because yeah. But if, yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, it's generally considered both the first notebook and handheld computer. Uh, the Epson HX20 featured a full-transit keyboard, rechargeable nickel-cadmium batteries, a built-in 120 by 32 pixel. LCD display which allowed 4 lines of 20 characters yeah substantial enough uh a calculator size dot matrix printer the Epson basic programming language i wonder if they licensed that from microsoft um two Hitachi thir- 6301 CPUs at at a whopping 614 kHz which is essentially a souped up Motorola 6801 uh, 16k of ram which actually isn't bad to start for something you know that came out back then it, um expandable to 32k Two RS two thirty two ports, uh, a three hundred bit per second acoustic coupler was available, and a had a built in micro cassette drive, which I think alone probably probably made it very versatile, mm-hmm. especially compared to like the uh, uh, was it the Tandy Model one hundred, which did not have uh, a built in micro cassette drive, and it only had one RS two thirty two port. So I wonder why it would use two two. Th- two I, yeah, two I don't, two don't know that's interesting you talk to two different uh, yeah create your first uh, for, uh, serial port network I guess
0: and so again this was you know out of Wikipedia and um, which generally I you know I think we both agree Jeff right Wikipedia is a pretty good source of information you know um, but no, I, 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 I that whole thing about it being the first what's considered the first like laptop computer or the and also the or and or the first uh, what was the other term they used handheld right Handheld, yeah yes. handheld I that's I don't know if I I you know cuz that's where it gets a little bit sketchy is you know laptop versus handheld versus portable. I always thought the Toshiba like the is it the 1000 or 1100 I think we're covering it next time is uh I thought that was kind of and then also the Grid Compass I thought were kind of considered the first laptops. And I always thought the laptop computer sort of demanded the clamshell form factor. See it's all it's all kind of I, I see what yeah. you mean. Yeah. It, is that how you're defining laptop?
1: Yeah. The clamshell. If you're if you're if that's how you do it, then yes, the HX twenty was not or could arguably not be the first laptop computer, but it does
0: sit on your lap. Yeah. And it computes. But compared uh, to a luggable, it certainly was a laptop and you know, and it could sit on your lap- your lap, obviously. So, uh, so i I guess a notebook yeah. computer is a clamshell form factor. Well, advancements
1: in computing at the time in the early 80s made the whole concept a bit nebulous about what is portable, what is not, mm-hmm. the definition of portable. I mean, the uh, the Osborne was portable, and you could
0: put on your lap if you don't mind the doctor bills later. <laughs> oh, and I'm just looking down in the notes. Yeah, because next show we cover the Toshiba T1100 and the Data General One. And I think maybe it's the Data General One that gets that distinction as the first laptop, you know, and or the Toshiba. Anyway, we know how that goes. It's all debatable. Nice. Um, so about the, the Grid Compass, it was manufactured by Grid Systems Corporation. It was one of the first laptop computers when the initial model was introduced in April 1982, which was the Model 1101. The computer was designed by British industrial designer Bill Mogridge in 1979 and then first sold three years later. The design used a clamshell case where the screen folds flat to the rest of the computer when closed, which was made from a magnesium alloy. The computer featured an Intel 8086 processor, a 320 by 240 pixel electroluminescent display, which I love those, a 340 kilobyte magnetic bubble memory. Very interesting. I bet that took up a lot of space. And a 1200 bits per second modem. Devices such as uh, hard drives and floppy drives could be connected via the IEEE 488 I/O port. So that's also kind of interesting that it didn't have a floppy drive built into it. That's kind of unusual for uh, a guess it was an laptop.
1: Yeah, what we remember of laptops, even the earlier ones, that 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 uh, certainly is interesting. It's like, oh, where where is the floppy drive? How can we put anything into this? Um, but yeah, the fact that it supported IEEE 488 meant that it worked good with, uh, well, if you went from a Commodore PET with, uh, some expansion stuff or some of the, uh, the older systems that had the IEEE 488, you can just move it straight onto the grid compass, but then it wouldn't be so much portable anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I believe the grid compass was the first laptop in space. And uh, I actually found. Did you find that auction that I I ended up getting or you know finding the the grid compass for sale that says it was used on a space shuttle? I don't think I I think I left one. There was very few to uh, look at. Yeah. At least on eBay. So I left one for you. So just maybe that might be that might tell us more that auction. But I think the grid compass is considered the first. You know, uh, obviously the the space shuttle itself and other other you know the space systems had computers in them. So it was the first computer, like external computer in space. Um, Well, the magnetic
1: bubble memory uh, would that, I guess that held up in space. Um, I I don't know. I would have thought bubble memory would be a little more volatile than um, solid state memory. Maybe there's some things I need to study about it. Maybe there's something good about that,
0: even though bubble memory would be physically larger yeah, I thought it was supposed to be the future of, of memory, you know. Way back, I always heard that, but I guess, uh, you know, it couldn't scale ultimately like silicon. <laughs>
1: Eventually, yeah, yeah. Silicon. When we get down to, uh, it was it nanometer? Uh, yeah, it just keeps spacey. going. Yeah, it just gets smaller. Moore's law is still trying to work its magic. So take us away with
0: the the first
1: auction. What you okay. find? My first auction, as soon as I open the link here, is... Um, and quite a bit of HX20s. Thanks for all the ads here, eBay. Um, okay. As usual, I like to find the ones that sold. Okay. Uh, here's one. Of course, it's rare. It starts out rare, vintage. Epson Computer HX20 with real voice, microcassette, printer, and case. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, this went... It, in a six-person or six-bid bidding war for one twenty-one fifty, But yeah, this is really neat. It's got, the, the case that it's in has a whole field of LEDs in the background. It's mm. almost like it's used for uh, some sort of visual output. Uh, and the real voice, I can only assume, is um, it, it talks. I'm not familiar with that expansion, but it looks like it was made
0: for it. Yeah, it says that LED thing has a sticker on it. It says Adaptive Communication Systems Incorporated out of Pittsburgh. So, whoops, phone's ringing. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it must have been a, uh, what would you call this? Like a uh, A third party. Not OEM, a... uh, A third party expansion.
1: You know, it kind of reminds me uh, with uh, Commodore, the Commodore Amiga 500, Great Valley Products was a was a uh, uh, third party company that would make stuff that looked seamlessly like an extension to the Amiga 500. Yeah. I had the GVP hard drive that go with mine, and it just looked like one perfect extension. And this is
0: kind of what happened here. And oh, uh, it was a VAR—that was the term—a value added reseller. Okay, yeah. So I'm sure that's what this company was because they had that. They developed the system, and then they had a case made to fit it perfectly. Right, so they are probably and by like the looks a, of it.
1: It mounted. It looks like it screwed onto the bottom with uh, a couple tabs, like it was a permanent addition. It that it wouldn't fall off. One of the pictures shows the underside of it. And look, they're claiming it's the first laptop computer in the ad. Well, it's in a clamshell case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess by definition, right? Uh, and this looks, other than the fact that it yellowed a little bit over time, it, it looks like it was in really good condition. It's there was a keyboard protector over it, so. This obviously was used in the field for some reason. It might explain those lights. It's like a big panel of lights in the lid of the case. It's it's really neat. Um, does it explain a little further what that was for? I wonder um, if it could have been used for some type of testing with the lights says, and the voice. It says the expansion also plugs into a large circuit board filled with over 100 LED lights. Hey, maybe it was an early uh, LED scroller. Huh? It's pretty neat. And that it's, seems
0: to be a pretty good deal, right?
1: yep well it, it does seem for for all the extra stuff you get, I mean I guess if you have an uh an hX20 um and this has extra stuff, even if the HX20 doesn't work, you have parts, you know physical parts to repair some things, but then you have the real voice and you have the case, and then you have that weird looking uh I'm trying to read oh and it says it doesn't have a power supply though it's
0: like that display thing was made in Pittsburgh so that's uh, the that's an issue, no power supply. It, it has a type I, of plug, sort of like a... Um, did these require batteries or allow for batteries? I think uh, they took like double A's or something, okay. I want to say. Well, he, he sold it for
1: what he sold it for. I'm surprised he didn't try to stick batteries in it. Yeah, which, um, right. You shouldn't. You could just use batteries in it without a power supply. Oh, it uses rechargeable batteries, but I didn't know if... Oh. Uh, I mean, it has a removable cover. Maybe... Um, I don't know. I guess I'll find
0: out. On okay, the, uh, so I see the bottom now. I'm sure you could you could recreate those battery packs, right? You could. Todd uh, and I. Todd and I will let you know when we get to this machine
1: on the on the okay. in depth episode.
0: <laughs> well, it's very interesting. Did you notice it also has like a plastic overlay for the keyboard? Yeah, like the keyboard thing. Protector. Um, and that
1: I guess. What would you do if you find a machine that had that on? Would you take it off or would
0: you leave it on? Uh, I'm trying to get a closer look on it. You know, like, the, I mean, from the picture here, uh, it looks a little ratty in some places, but. It's like it, would vel- it was Velcroed in places. I think as long as it could clean up, like it doesn't look too bad. As long as it cleaned up decently, I'd probably keep it on there. Especially in something like this where it's part of the, you know, that's the way it was designed or put together as a system. It'd be kind of neat to keep it together. But if it is like really nasty, I'd, yeah, I'd probably just take it off. I'm still trying to read. I but you know, you have all that gummy, sticky stuff that would be stuck on.
1: The uh, the LED, yeah. Uh, well, that cleans up pretty good. Uh, Google does a pretty good job of cleaning that kind of stuff up. Mm-hmm. So the LED display says Adaptive Communication
0: Systems, Inc. Yeah. And so there's a real voice part of it.
1: Oh, and it looks like the LEDs are, are paired up. There's a red LED and a green uh, like a or clear or something. Or clear LED, whatever that may be. Yep. Yep. And, and no idea what it what it does. That's that's a mystery. Well, maybe somebody has seen one, or maybe the person who bought this is listening to this uh, podcast. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting grouping. It's like it's all one. You know, you could take you could take this to one of those shows and show somebody. You know, you could take this to a VCF show, put it up on a table, and it'll it'll draw some interest. You could throw somebody into epileptic seizure with it. Yeah, learn program. <laughs> learn how to program that output, and uh, wow, I, I have to look into those LED things sometime.
0: So check out my next one, and that are mine. The next one, which is is my auction. So it says NASA Spock, capital S P O C. Maybe we can figure out what that means. Grid Compass computer used for Space Shuttle STS fifty one I mission. And it's being sold out of uh, with free local pickup out of Arlington, Virginia, um, which is outside of Washington, D.C., of course. And they want uh, $15,500. It's kind of crazy. Miraculously, this thing still works. Original unmolested, incomplete, no breaks or cracks. And then they have, uh, they have a display going on. It says, have a good flight. 51-I crew of Joe Ingle, Dick Covey, Ox Van Hoften, Mike Lounge, Bill Fisher from the Spock Group. So it's got some pictures. Okay. so Oh, I see. So it shows it in the space shuttle. And I guess maybe these are pictures, maybe when it was actually on the flight. And then you have a picture of the computer, uh, which is like a black sort of generic looking, big, thick laptop, you know, electroluminescent display and all. So um, let's see. In all of my 18 years following grid compass sales on eBay, I've only seen a few grid Compass computers. They usually get okay money just for a compass laptop. He says five hundred to two thousand he or she. However, I've never seen ever ever seen one set up as a NASA Spock shuttle portable computer, much less one with history, which can be tracked back to a specific NASA shuttle mission. Okay, so blah blah blah. I'm gonna go a little bit through here. So you know it is a grid compass. Um it was manufactured by grid eh surplused it was surplused and bought in 1989, 1990 as part of a GSA lot at NASA. Okay, so that some of the specs. <laughs> okay, so it was supposed it was used by the shuttle Discovery in 1985, STS-51. So that was a fairly early. That was an early mission uh, for training preparation. Let's see if we can get it out into space and bring it back.
1: I was looking at one of the pictures here where he shows it sitting on uh, foam sheeting. Yeah. And in the background, I noticed he's got a TI calculator there. It looks like the sr 56 uh, or something similar. It's I, At first, it looks like the colors of the TI9, or TI-58 or 59, but those didn't have that little power connector at the head end of the calculator. So um, I, I
0: just noticed that. I thought that was neat. So it is pretty cool. And, um, I mean, other than this person with some pictures saying this is one that went up in space... I mean, that's pretty significant if it went up in space and it was on a on a specific mission and such. But does it actually go and just say how that was proved? Yeah, see, Vell? I would have to
1: go all Rick Harrison on this and say, I need to see paperwork to prove this. Or I have to bring my expert in from the museum and say, hey, this really did go up into space, uh, especially for that price.
0: Yeah, well, if you ever watch like um, Antiques Roadshow, you know, that's pretty much uh, – I'm trying to think of what's the word for that. There's actually a, uh, pro- prominence, pro- provenance, provenance, provenance. Yeah. yeah. That, um, you know, that you have to sort of have provenance to sort of prove these sort of claims, <laughs> extraordinary claims, de- claims demand extraordinary proof. They don't say that. I say that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's the thing is it's a, it's a pretty cool, uh, thing if it, if it's not to say the guy's a liar, but. You know, are you going to spend that much money without it being absolutely some kind of paperwork or or identification on it, which it doesn't seem to have?
1: It just has a little sticker on the back that says class three for flight. And it looks like that's even
0: torn. Oh, and I didn't see that part. Class three for flight. Let's see. I went through the. Okay. So now I see the pictures. And that's a weird looking serial port, too. But it's a neat machine and definitely these are these are cool and it works and everything. Uh you know, I kinda of don't think it's worth fifteen thousand dollars unless they had absolute paperwork. That, you know, no question yes. that this is used on a space shuttle mission. If it has that provenance that you were talking about. But then I almost think it could be worth more if that could be totally proven. So I try to remember to maybe look back on this and see how it goes.
1: All right, it, that will be interesting. Yeah, he it, 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 it has six people watching it. It ends in 11 days. Yeah, we'll have to see how it does. All right, we'll take it away. Okay, now I have another Epson HX20. So this is a very basic one. Yeah, as soon as I click the right button here. And this one is more like what I'd probably expect to find. Or it's, I, I, I want to get one of these for myself sometime. I I don't need it to be pristine, I don't need it to be very junky. Mm-hmm. It might be missing a part or a cover, and I'll be okay with it. Cause, but this is about the kind that I would probably afford to buy uh, if I actually wanted to pull the trigger on one. It looks like it's missing a cover to the printer. But it's clean. It's very clean. It doesn't even have the yellowing that I saw in the, in the last one. And does the guy say that it runs? Sold as is
0: yeah it shows you it working it has a picture of the one, to display okay.
1: I didn't go that far into it oh there it is Okay, it looks like it has some bad text in there line 4 on that display it looks like garbage yeah but someone could just name to file that or our special characters uh, it, $40 and uh, $10 shipping and this one ended unsold oh, oh but not relisted yet apparently not but I might have to keep an eye on it. Yeah, you know, my wife spent some money at the uh antique store. Now, now I get to buy my own stuff. <laughs> I was just taking a
0: quick look at the seller and seeing what else. It looks like they mostly sell a bunch of like uh, motherboards and not really particularly old ones. Not that old anyway. It's mostly newer sort of salvage stuff, yeah. Build myself stuff from scratch. Oh, he has a, a Drake SPR4
1: shortwave radio receiver sold as is. But maybe they'll put they'll put that one back up. Yeah, I keep an eye on things. It looks like you have some pretty cool equipment. Yeah, forty dollars—that's not bad. Yeah, it's not too bad if it runs, and if you can get by without a printer cover, and, uh, and you can probably almost 3D print one of those now. Uh, and and the
0: paper for that—just like uh, cash a, register or calculator paper, right? Is it—is it heat sensitive? Is it thermal paper that it uses? Oh, I'm not sure
1: because I—you I, know—that stuff you can get in almost any size. Or if you're really good at cutting up, uh, you can get those fax rolls. If you're really good with something to cut it, you can cut pieces off of a fax roll. But you need to have some really sharp spinning blades for that.
0: So I found one. So here's one yeah. that I found, which is still uh, for sale. And they want $150 for it, or you can make an offer. It's out of El Paso, Texas, from uh looks like a reputable seller with good feedback, $15 shipping to me. So, and it just says used pull from working equipment in good condition. It's got a reference number, weight. Okay. And it then, says Mitutoyo. And then it's got pictures in the body of the, the auction versus in the eBay pictures. So, clicking on it. Yeah, it sort of has that expansion unit to the side, too. That's not a magic voice or whatever. Well, what but what is see, that? You see, it's
1: called the DP20, the Mitutoyo DP20.
0: Oh, you're right. I'm trying to get back to the... Huh. Yeah, I see that. So that well, was like a uh, third-party rebadged it or something, like right? Clone, yeah. What do you think Epson rebadged it? Digimatic well, mini processor.
1: It's hard to say. I wonder what that box contains. I mean, if it's attached... Well, hang on. There's data input, foot switch. Interesting.
0: Oh, look, it says on the bottom, Epson Portable Computer, HX20. Okay. and But then it has that other sticker, the DP20 Digimatic Mini Processor. Oh, uh, Mitu Toyo, Japan. Yeah, so I bet you you think it was made by them for Epson, or I guess vice well, versa. Well, one of the pictures, it might have been an OEM
1: uh, design you know, for another company to sell. Uh, let's see. The I'm looking at the side of that extension thing. It says it has three data inputs and three foot switches. Um guessing what that may be for. Maybe early MIDI uh, or for data collection of some sort. I mean, why would it be labeled foot switch? This auction
0: does? The one that I found or a different one?
1: Yeah, the one that you found unless I somehow magically clicked on a different one. Let's see here.
0: Yeah, I don't see... Uh... All right, so it is a Mitty Toyo, but it, yeah, I don't see the foot switch things. Hang on, maybe I ended up clicking on something else. Let's go back to open link.
1: No, this is the same one. Yeah, you have to go down into the auction description. Okay. It, it has a picture. Yeah. Uh, third row down, there's
0: is, is three in the row, click the middle one. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. has data input, one, two, three, and foot switch, one, two, three. Oh, so that's on that little expansion little unit thing. Yes. So, hmm. So that must have been like an extra custom sort of deal. You're right. Maybe that was used for music. I'm only
1: thinking about the the time period. Digimatic mini processor. Yeah, looking at the underside of it. Could have been used for computer-controlled sewing machines. It could, or I guess anything. I bet those data things are probably serial input. Uh, could they sort used. of look
0: like standard, sort of like uh, you know joystick connectors or whatever, don't they? Yeah, or like for Apple. Yeah, or Atari, or.
1: Well, they don't look they don't look like D- DB nines, but oh, because they're two they're rectangular versus. Uh... But it's not an uncommon connector. Digimatic Mini Processor. That's.
0: Well, there you go. So 150 dollars, you're getting a little bit more expensive on that. And um, I wanted to go back because let me click back on it again. I thought because I hadn't noticed the Toyo, you know, but there's Mitutoyo other ones called is, that. Toyo is actually doing
1: more stuff. They're doing a uh, data. I, I searched for the uh, Digimatic uh, Mini. What was it Digimatic uh, Mini processor? And I get this. yeah. There's a bunch more. It looks like they just do data collection stuff. So this is probably an OEM version of something that they may have developed software for.
0: Yeah, and, and the in this same auction where you look at people who viewed this item also viewed there's two other Mit Toyo uh machines. One's for ninety dollars buy it now, or best offer one's for one twelve. So it's so already you can find a couple other cheaper versions than the one we were just looking at yeah but like that something same new. thing on the side there oh here's one with like a Toyo calculator or something oh, oh a different kind of printer anyways without getting too off the <laughs> yeah <laughs> off the rails here with the other stuff just clicking clicking I've click never there. heard of that
1: before though Mitutoyo Toyo Maybe we have to have a third podcast where we have 20 degrees of separation. We'll just pick something (laughs) from the line, go on eBay. Then we'll click some of those suggested ones. And 20 down the line, we'll see where we're at. We go from like an Epson HX20 uh, to a a Cabbage Patch doll. (laughs) And with everything
0: in between. Yeah, but obviously I see a few of them, but that's a new one for me. That is interesting.
1: All All right, so you found another grid. I, I found, I think the only other grid and Let's this see. one is sold though, right? Sold. Well, this is a collection at vintage lot grid system. Oh, I saw that. Uh, grid compass computer, 1107 grid case three DSP two twenty five. I guess those numbers mean something to grid collectors,
0: but I don't think it, uh, it ended, but it didn't sell. It looks and like it
1: says here sold for
0: $2,000. Yeah, I see. It does say sold, but didn't and it actually give you, gives you a bidder or they took that away. You think that would, unless,
1: that's, that's weird. It, it does seem inconsistent. Yeah. Well, these are different grid computers and different grid accessories. And really, grid was just hard to find things for on eBay for this episode. So, you kind of have to scratch for for what you need. Um, unless this is because it's an eBay store, maybe it's treated differently. It wasn't put up for auction. It was just put up for a straight sale.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The Potomac e-store.
0: Ready so that, for repair? Ready for repair. That's right. They all are. <laughs> yeah, 2000 bucks from. I mean, right. I guess... If I find one yeah. in the garbage, it's ready for repair. Uh, I guess they demand a price. And this one price, has,
1: so. I guess, the like an expansion unit with a, a floppy disk drive. Two different expansion mm-hmm. units. Yeah. All sorts of neat stuff.
0: Yeah. I and then the, the printer has the like shuttle. a sound thing on it. Does it? Um Isn't that what that is, a printer? Uh, The printer's on the left-hand
1: side. It shows it with a closed, and the DSP-225, I think that's the printer. And then uh, another picture shows it open, and I guess it's just a reinforced case. Yeah. I'm guessing the same magnesium-style case as the computer itself. I'm not a grid expert.
0: Which is the same uh, black material they use for the next boxes. Yeah,
1: I, I, I've seen those cases before. Where did I see them for other things? Um, didn't Panasonic use them for their tough books? Did they do a, a company I worked for way back when did some did some field work for utility companies, and they purchased a whole bunch of Panasonic tough books. You could drop these things, and, you know, right. and see what happened? But they were they were built tough, and they had the the metal cases.
0: I don't know if those are expansions. I think they're actually just other computers, they other like desktop computers. Yes, yeah, some of them are, but the printer would
1: be. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, so the low profile—they they don't have the built-in
0: display. They—they they would hook up to a monitor. Yeah. A lot of pictures to look. Now at. I'm stuck in the the custom picture thing this person used.
1: There's. Oh, I, I see what you mean. When you click on it, it goes to. Yeah, there should be an X in the upper right-hand corner.
0: Well, I did find... Oh, so now those are sort of our regular auctions. Oh, wait, and then those went.
1: might be expansions because they only have a single uh, connector on the back. Single major connector. Like a large... laptop. Well, like a Unlike a Centronics, but it's smaller. Maybe like a 25-pin Centronics instead of a 36-pin Centronics. All
0: right, well, anyway. I'm going to move to the next one. So I did find okay, one other fine. grid... Of course, it's a slightly later later model, I think anyway, or close to it. But it's um, let's see. This is in our bonus auctions, which in my case I happen to choose a grid. Um, so this one's actually a live auction. So it's buy it now at two hundred ninety six dollars, or you can make an offer. It's out of Topeka, Kansas. So shipping's pretty cheap, sixteen dollars here to Atlanta area. So this actually this looks like one of the ones in that last auction, doesn't it? It's got yeah, the this wider. It's more like it might be a standalone desktop computer. Oh, wait. Oh, no, no, it's a laptop. Okay. There's the screen. I was didn't click far enough. Grid Case 3, 8086 XT, 5 megahertz. Oh, no hard drive. They're, you can tell they're super, super tough made. Yeah, you shake these things around. So, um, for sale, it's a Grid Case 3. is product used and tested for basic functionality. Lots of uh, legalese stuff in this ad, but nothing more about the machine, really. Uh, MS-DOS, memory. It's a terrible chart. (laughs) What's the point (laughs) of a chart when it doesn't really function as a chart, just as a listing? I don't get that. But there you go, $300. So that's actually pretty cheap, and it works, other than doesn't have a hard drive. A lot better price than uh, that one that went to the shuttle. Oh, do you notice it says MS DOS version two point one one? I I think it has DOS built into uh, ROM. Well, didn't
1: didn't Grid use ROMs for some stuff? Uh, they could be customized with. I'm not sure. So I don't the know. Lot about the special one them. had had some ROMs. It was the Spock software, according to the description.
0: This thing's got some big old rugged looking like connections on the back. Oh, you can see the power supply is built into it too. It'll add some weight, but yeah, it just has a standard plug off the back. Hopefully, it never catches fire and takes that magnesium with it. I'm sure they were approaching it as a portable. It was a portable computer, so just like you, all you have to do is plug in a desktop. That's so all you have to do is plug this in. Luggable, yeah, luggable laptop. You don't have to carry a power supply per se; just a normal plug for it. We I mean see how that finish gets just like yeah, on, on just, next it, too. It
1: just rubs down. It's almost like it, you know, it's weather worn. Yeah,
0: I wonder if that's an anodized finish. I want to say this is, this computer's gray too, versus black. It sure looks like it, doesn't it?
1: Depending on, well, it could be part of the the, oh, just the matte, external. Matte surface. Well, yeah, it has it has a, a little grayness to it. it. It it's it's not shiny, but it's not completely matte, so it it has a little glow to it. That's probably like what lights it up a little bit. If he's using incandescent lighting, it makes it look brown. Yeah, the picture's not so great.
0: Oh, wait, that was my last auction. Okay, that wasn't my, was ran- that wasn't my random auction. That was my last one. Oh, that's right, my random auction. So now your random auction.
1: Yeah, and I forget why I picked this random auction. Let me, let me open it here.
0: Because it's random. It is random. Yes. Not, I not had a chance to look okay. at your random auction.
1: Oh, look at that. Rare Vintage Hacking Computer Symbolics <laughs> XL1201 Lisp Machine. I wonder why they call it a hacking computer. Never heard of it. Um, well, according to the description, it, it, um, let's see, uh, configured, uh, runs in boots. Genera 8.3 with a configured world with TCP IP loaded for the network access and operates standalone, um. Any symbolic equipment runs best in a cool environment. Because the age of the equipment is being sold as is. Um, why it's a hacking machine, I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe this is a preferred type of machine for some hackers. Hmm. A, from what I get from what little description there is, is that this is a standalone internet connecting computer with a built-in
0: TCP IP. Oh, it's got that, uh, whatever, what's that? connection coaxial type of connection on it uh was it uh 10 base 2 something like that yeah but the, that's what the connection's like like your cable television i've heard of symbolics Almost. i don't know anything about it but i've heard of it before let's see what uh genera 8.3 comes up with Seen it's saying it's a lisp machine but it doesn't say what it's it's os was because that really wasn't it's os it's was it's genera genera operating system oh, okay yeah, It's actually developed by
1: Symbolics. It's a fork of earlier operating systems that the MIT AI Labs LISP machines, which Symbolics had used in common with LMI and Texas Instruments, uh, runs on computers based on alpha processor using true 64 Unix.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say it had to
1: be Unix. So LISP, isn't that
0: the one that uses all the uh, parentheses? I mean, I'm not sure. But I'm they sure. want twelve hundred dollars for it, or what I'm sorry. Oh, it's actually active bidding, so it's at one thousand twenty-six at the moment with a little under four days left. So yeah, I guess it's popular for somebody. That's real world values right there. People want to pay some good money for it. And I, got, I would guess that um
1: I would guess that it's probably somebody who went to school or grew up with something like this and wants to buy back their childhood. You know? Um, I think so. But yeah, Lisp. Uh, I, I, that's the one that has, that does almost everything with uh, parentheses and got to check to make sure that they didn't wear out. Those keys on this keyboard. Nope. Still in the same spot, still nice and clean, but yeah, it's, it was a random, I actually found this by clicking through three different other three or four different other uh, auctions. I thought, okay, this looks random enough to put in today's show, but a hacking machine. Yeah, I <laughs> guess. It, yeah, I guess it could be,
0: I guess it could monitor, IP networks. If you know how to use it. Yeah. I, I would think you need a little training. So I went for something. I did a search. So my uh, auction link is search term Univac. So uh, I was just trying to find something random and I decided just to include the whole search. This, this whole search. So basically at the moment it's bringing up 101 listings and uh, you know, Univac is historic and um, if you do a quick sort of uh scroll through here you can find quite a number of uh core memory planes that uh i see that are yeah. supposed to have come out of here's a rare pentagon version large univac magnetic ferrite core memory plane <laughs> you know but anyway you can buy some cool looking uh core memory to, to check out there's like some circuit boards and you know parts of things that, that are part of univac here's something what is this uh 20-inch vintage 1960s Univac spray-ran mainframe computer board in the original box. Let's click on that for $175. Buy it Actually, now. I'm looking at the vintage spare Univac golf balls. Under. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this is kind of neat, that the fact that it's you know in a Univac box. because That's certainly nuts. Oh, it's just the box.
1: <laughs> for
0: $175? Well, I mean, I guess that's pretty rare, but I don't know how interesting just looking at a box is. I thought if they had a part in it. But there's, like, a data terminal and a lot of, like, different little circuit boards and and core memory, though. So if you like some type of collector's piece for the Univac, then that, you know, that'd be cool. Oh, one thing that stands out, too, is um, – oh, there's a couple of them here – the uh, the reels. Do you see those? There's, like, yes. a red one and a pink one. Wow. Where it says Univac on it. This is, like, the tape reel-to-reel. Reel. So the 8-inch one, they want $350 for in pink – I like the red one better because it's actually white lettering on red and it looks smaller to me, but it's $239. I was looking at this one auction. Now you cannot garner anything
1: from the title of the auction. 1984 ENIAC, Apple one MITS, Altair Intel, 4,004 Univac, Wozniak, Steve. Oh, um, I bet you it's uh, a book. Really? It's a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really, you know, just use every buzzword for the period. And, uh,
0: yeah, there's a bunch of to... few other books in here. Well, I guess because they mentioned Univac, got me to click on the auction. I would really like that uh, that red reel. Uh, that would just be really neat to hang up on a wall. But you know, for over two hundred dollars just for an aluminum. Yeah, really, it's like <laughs> real. Uh, but
1: I, now I know what to look for if I start seeing
0: these in antique stores. Yeah, and the golf balls, fifteen bucks. That's very right. Univac. That's kind of that's pretty neat. That's kind of a bargain, really. Yeah, but the
1: salespeople gave those away to everybody. The rest of, them,
0: rest of them were sitting in a pond somewhere on a golf course. Unopened box of three. Oh, they have multiple boxes. $15 and then uh, $3 shipping. That's a pretty good bargain, really, though. And
1: yeah, of course, sure. of course that is later,
0: that's later in the run. That's not really the historic UNIVAC because that would have been. Well, I take it back. Sperry ran, right? But I think that's still later. If it's just called Sperry Univac. Oh, it was was it Sperry Rand first, and then just Sperry? Well, it was. It was the Sperry Rand Univac, so I'm not sure what the the deal with that is. Well, they this is I, I would imagine after Rand is just not part of the company anymore, the name or anything. I'm surprised we don't see. More oh, it was Remington like, Rand originally. That's okay, deal. yeah. I'm surprised very we don't see rant. any
1: more things like like uh, digital wristwatches that just happen to say, you know, they, they put Univec in the name just to get get it in the list of geeks who are looking this up. Geeks like me.
0: So there you go. You can check that out. Lots of other... Yeah, you know, those links will keep changing. If you happen to listen to this at a later time, you could probably look at that search thing and find some different stuff. It morphs. It changes. Right. So... I know for the longest time I always wanted to create a – I did it one time years ago, create, like, a page, and it just contained different, like, search phrases for eBay. You know, yeah. like, like uh, Commodore Pet, and then you click on it, and it does – and it automatically goes over to eBay and does the search for you. And um, – but then it, they kept changing, and things would break and stuff, and I never kept it up. <laughs> 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 but I had hoped to build the the one page people would go to for vintage computing on eBay. So, what about values? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I think these is a items standard...
1: are standards. Hard to find to come up with a, an exact value. Well, HX twenty um, seem pretty not too bad. I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, they're close to about a hundred, hundred and thirty. Probably be a good price for one that I would hope works.
0: Yeah, or if it's just a base, very base system, maybe less. Yeah,
1: in one of these days, I'm going to get myself one of them, but I. Personally, I'm looking for something you know below seventy or eighty bucks. Yeah. But maybe I'm maybe it's wishful thinking.
0: Maybe I'll never get one.
1: Um, that you know, if I keep thinking that way.
0: Well, and as always, if you just if you really look and follow it for a while, you can always get a better deal. Generally, just be patient, and you can usually catch catch one cheaper. That's how I got some of my stuff. I yeah, the premium priced ones, down. the 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 middle, the. The outliers. So you always have the outliers of the most expensive ones, and then, of course, the cheapest ones you can capture. Well, that's how I got my um, Radio Shack TRS 80 Model
1: 100. You know, they're going for about, and they have been going for about 50 or 60 bucks. I just
0: patiently waited, and I ended up getting one for 25 plus shipping. Yeah. In really good shape. And occasionally people put them in the wrong categories, and then they're not picked up on, stuff like that. That's true. That happens a lot, also. And then
1: you find other stuff in the wrong categories, like I was talking about. You know, uh, I look for vintage calculators, and I see brand new four-function calculators that you know you can buy at Walmart for for two bucks in the in the mix in the vintage electronics section.
0: Oop. Oh, almost Hit my headset off there. Don't do that. Well, that's a wrap. I think. Yeah, and as far Is as the grip compasses. Unless they, you want
1: to talk about your latest find.
0: Oh well, just a little bit because I tweeted about those. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a, and I don't have it. I don't have it here to look at, so I put it out in the garage. But it's it was basically a, um, like a developmental or what would you call that? A. Uh, it's a very high end microprocessor trainer. Trainer, thank you. Yeah, and it does work. So I had a chance to mess around with it some, and the the power switch was was a little. Uh, goofy, but now it seems to come on and off uh, properly, so maybe it just needed, I don't know, the run where it hadn't really ran in a while. But yeah, that thing, it looks pretty much brand new, but it's a um, here, let me, since I'm on eBay, I can, I can jump to it real quick. Um, so hold on. Let's see, because I can look at the one I bought. I got it off eBay. And let's see, bear with me. It was uh, all not selling. I bought it. Yeah, where's my buys? It would it would yeah be in your list. Uh, oh, here it is. Okay, so it's a integrated computer system, microcomputer uh, trainer, and um, so it's a it's a computer system in a briefcase, and then it had another expansion board. So um, from what I can tell, these things go between two hundred fifty and up. On you got a great most deal of the time. On- yeah, so this person had it for one thirty and then had best offer available. So I think I offered them one fifteen and and they took it. Very so, good. So yeah. Yeah, one hundred and fifteen dollars I basically got it for then shipping from North Carolina. And it's very pristine. It looks almost brand new on the inside. So you're able to step through the memory and, and look at the values. Yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing very well doing that, but but I did I am able I do know a little bit about that, so I was able to do that. I'm I'm still trying to find a manual for it. Yeah, people are helping you out, apparently, so uh,
1: part of it is, if you can't find the manual, you can at least try to reverse engineer it, because some of the memory you can write to, some of the memory you can't, and what you can't write to might obviously be uh, a ROM. Well, that and functionality should work across any of these type of computers, right? Absolutely. It works for the Kim1, it works for uh, the Heathkit 3400 microprocessor trainer. Uh, there's a, You can probably type in a memory location and start looking There, and then you can probably step through uh, or step in reverse through. Uh, Another thing you might want to look at is this uses what, the 8080? A, yep. Okay. Uh, The CPU probably has a jump address that it starts at. Look for code. Uh, You might want to find out, I don't know off the top of my head, Uh, you might want to find out what that address is, then go to that address on your trainer, and that might tell you then where the ROM starts. And then, if you can somehow dump or dis- dump that, other people might help you disassemble it, uh, give you an idea of where what it's trying to do and where things may
0: start. Um, it, it you know I'd love to play around with something like this for a period of time. I'd uh, like to see there's a way to interface like a terminal con- serial connection to it.
1: And you know, and looking at the expansion stuff,
0: yeah, it doesn't are, really it, have a. Um, it just has no S-O edge. Yeah, it has a, another available parallel.
1: See, it looks like it has, uh, like, you can make sound and and run motors and and do
0: I.O. I mean, that's neat. That that would be trainer stuff. And those two little cables coming off the back right, those are, like, audio in and out. They go to a cassette player, I assume, pretty sure. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah, so it's got lots of things. Very interesting. There doesn't seem to be an easy way to sort of um, connect it to, like, say, a terminal, you know. Connect it to your, either a term, an old terminal or your modern computer running a terminal on it, which would be pretty neat. Yeah, it's hard to see some of these uh, images. They don't, they don't get very big. But I haven't had a chance to look too much. So I'd like to see if I can find a community of people messing with them or just have done some hacks or done stuff with them.
1: Yeah, there's especially like an- get a
0: manual. There's like a, uh, like in the upper right hand corner of the base area,
1: there's a, a row of pins that have labels. I can't quite read those labels from here. On the bottom part? Yes. Oh. Right, I... near, near those audio connectors you were talking about,
0: oh, on the right edge. Oh, they both, um, they reference the audio in and out. Okay. Yeah, that sort of vertical row there so it's like an edge card for audio or something like that too. yeah i don't think there's an edge card but i think it, i guess it's referencing those two plugs up there which are like which again look like the type of plugs you'd put in a like a radio shack cassette player okay to interface that yeah and then just just to the to the right of that um there's, there's like two lights you know, verti- vertical yeah, it's two lights, and then down below the lights there's like a vertical mm-hmm. row of pins yeah That's i'm pretty sure they they're not pins they're like um i mean, are they pins it's hard to Maybe tell they us. are pins. Just, just out of focus here. But I want to I, say they say uh, audio in and audio out. So, oh, but if anyone knows anything about it, let us know. Could it would be fun to fool around with it. But it's just pretty neat being in the case. So, yeah, if it, if it just turned on and did blinking lights, that would be great. Yeah, which it, it does. That. It doesn't do the blinking lights per se, but it, it does run the LEDs there. So it does turn on and work. Yeah, if you can find out what
1: program started. Yeah, if there's some way to just export the ROM on that thing, um, it can be disassembled. And, you know, if a memory map can be found, that would also help, too. Um, people can get you started on what to do and what to get that started if you can't find the instructions. Although I know the instructions are out there. They've got to be
0: because it's not that
1: un- it's not that Well, that somebody's rare. selling one of these on eBay with the books. Oh, but really? They want, they want the 200 and some odd dollars for it
0: yeah but yeah they're they're not that rare, so certainly enough of them were made at the time. Oh, I'll have to look that up or one's being sold with the books,
1: yeah, I think I gave you some uh directional on what the books what the i s b n numbers for the books are, but they don't exist anywhere mm-hmm. but it's a neat it's a neat piece of uh computing history. I uh, I love the microprocessor trainers. I you know, they, they can be very cumbersome to work with, but they're nice to 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 work with, if you know what I mean. You might not be able to make it run, you know, major games or major software or, or play chess or whatever, but they're still cool for what they are. Because people have learned to program microprocessors with this.
0: Oh look, there's one on eBay where it's in a box for one ninety nine byte now or make an offer, and it's just that bottom part. And it's in a box, so it's not a power supply and everything. So there, it says "as is, untested, integrated computer system, microcomputering trainer training." But you know what that really is? Is it's that's a replacement part. I think that's to replace the um, you know the bottom part of the suitcase. What keywords are you using to search for this? Just integrated computer system, microcomputer. Okay. Yeah, so that's just like a box replacement part. That's not really the that wouldn't work by itself because you don't have the power supply and everything like what comes in the case. But I see the other one you're talking about where uh where it looks just like mine in a case, two fifty five or best offer. Yeah. And then it uh I'm trying to see where the manual or did it just say it comes with the manual. Well I saw one that had the manual.
1: Maybe it sold. I thought I put it in
0: my watch list. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I missed it. Well, there's some other ones that come up. So you know, but it wasn't in the search that I did. It didn't come up. So, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. I have to, okay. Time to go eat a late dinner. So that'll do it for this show. Oh, we don't have any real uh, email or feedback. I didn't see any
1: email. We got feedback from uh, the person we interviewed, uh, so he he listened to the shows. Oh yeah, and and, and likes them. So Been hey, enjoying. We got, we, got, we got two fans now.
0: <laughs> I have to follow up with him and see if uh, anybody's contacted him about uh, yeah the systems. Buying, buying. I hope so. Uh,
1: for those who are really interested in those types of systems, I hope they do contact him because he's got a good thing going there for those for people who want to relive it. They Mm -hmm. can't find any originals.
0: Yeah. So our next show will be um, Friday, June 3rd. It'll be eBay show 14. We're going to be covering the Radio Shack. So uh, Radio Shack TRSA 80 Model 100, the Toshiba T1100, and the Data General 1. So three this time because the General 1 is fairly rare. So maybe we'll find one or two of those. And I'll have my Model 100 with me. Yeah, and I have a 102. I'll oh, make, make sure mine is, uh, what was I the guess, difference on hand. Again? I, forget, uh, I know it was just a minor sort of upgrade, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a little faster, cost reduced, something like that. Yeah, I think there's something, but it's minor. I just said it came out a little bit later. Uh, find all our show notes at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. Send us feedback at feedback at historyofpersonalcomputing.com. And we would love to hear from you. And write a review. Tell someone about us. And that's going to be it for the show. Remember, let the buyer beware or caveat emptor. See you next time. All right, see ya.